These are the final days, and mind control will be exceedingly critical as Satan's battle for the minds of men intensifies. Lucifer knows that the entire issue is a word issue, and I mean entirely. Everything with which we have to do is literally words. We were spoken into existence by the word of God out of that which is invisible. Our DNA functions with a four-letter alphabet, structured in words, sentences, paragraphs, chapters, and volumes. You entered this world, and a birth certificate was signed, with your word name emblazoned right on it. When you die, a death certificate will be signed with your word name emblazoned on it. The salvation of a man is a word issue, Romans 10, 8 through 10. The redeemed believe on and confess Jesus Christ, and Revelation nineteen thirteen tells us his name is the word of God. The devil knows it is a word issue. He has thoroughly harnessed the tongues of the vast majority of the world's word outlets. For the most part, the devil controls the dialogue. Tune out Satan's words, or you will be deeply vexed and participate in darkness you can feel. Those who bathe in Lucifer's dirty words will find themselves bound by anxiety, frustration, and anger, and will learn to fear their fear. Isaiah eight twelve and 13. The redeemed are directed to tune out and tune into God's word, the life source. Consider Philippians 4, 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. The difference in the dialogue is as night versus day. Dear visitor, have you yet to be born again, as Jesus declares in John 3, 3? Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. In just a few moments, I will invite you to follow me in a simple prompt. And if you do, Everything changes for you today, and I must underscore everything. Today, all of your sin and its shame will be washed away by Christ's cleansing blood. All of it. Today, all of Satan's bondages in your life will be broken. The bigger, the better. Follow me, and today will be the best day of your life. And as you walk in faith and obedience, tomorrow will be better. Born again. It means born a second time this time of the Spirit of God. Here comes the prompt. Click on the Further with Jesus for childlike instructions and immediate entry into the kingdom of God. Now for today's subject. God said, Proverbs twenty-three, twenty-nine through 35, Who hath woe? Who hath sorrow? Who hath contentions? Who hath babbling? Who hath wounds without cause? Who hath redness of eyes? They that tarry long at the wine, they that go to seek mixed wine. Look not thou upon the wine when it is red, when it giveth his color in the cup, when it moveth itself aright. At the last it biteth like a serpent, and stingeth like an adder. Thine eyes shall behold strange women, and thine heart shall utter perverse things. Yea, thou shalt be as he that lieth down in the midst of the sea, or is he that lieth upon the top of a mast? 
They have stricken me, shalt thou say, and I was not sick. They have beaten me, and I felt it not. When shall I awake? I will seek it yet again. God said, Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 13, Woe unto him that giveth his neighbor drink, that puttest thy bottle to him, and makest him drunken also, that thou mayest look on their nakedness. God said, Proverbs chapter 20, verse 1, Wine is a mocker, strong drink is raging, and whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. Man said, A little moderation, a little bit of wine, a little bit of beer, a little whiskey, marijuana, cocaine, whatever you want, just a little. Hey, Jesus made wine, didn't he? Now the record. Welcome to God Said, Man Said, feature article 1110, that will once again demonstrate the pure, perfect, and inerrant majority text Holy Bible. All of these powerful features are archived here in text and streaming audio for the edification of the saints and as ammunition in the battle for the souls of men. Every Thursday Eve, God willing, they grow by one. Thank you for coming. May the glorious face of God shine upon you and all unto which you put your hands. The information from the global field study continues to pour in, and as you should suspect, God's Word is certified true and righteous altogether. Today's subject is the drinking of alcoholic beverages and the Bible's condemnation of it. Over the years, God Said, Man Said has published numerous features on this subject. In this feature, and the one that follows, critical foundational information and research will be lifted from past features for your consideration, and then we will stack on some of the latest findings. From the God Said, Man Said feature, wine is a mocker, strong drink is raging, and alcohol hides in the darkness. When God condemns an action, wise men and women take heed. Years ago, while working in the prison ministry, I met a man named Victor. Victor was an alcoholic and was incarcerated as a result of deeds spawned by his bondage. Victor had all the necessary tools to succeed in life, but in his approximate 60 years, success was absent. Poor Victor's life was wasted, and many other lives affected family members, friends, loved ones, employers, taxpayers, etc., were directly damaged by his actions. I asked Victor when he became an alcoholic, and he said, My first drink. Moderation didn't work for Victor. In etymology, which is the study of words, a guideline exists known as the rule of first occurrence. The rule basically states that a word's definition is established during the word's first use. The word drunken is first found in Genesis chapter 9, verse 21. This is the first account of the existence of alcoholic beverages and of someone suffering the effects of alcohol, and it happened to be none other than Noah. Christian scientists note that Noah was blindsided. He was an expert husbandman, making wine for hundreds of years. But this time, immediately after the worldwide flood, things were not the same. Further on in this feature, I will explain. Nevertheless, Noah became drunk and passed out in his tent. His son Ham, in the presence of his brothers, showed disrespect to his father concerning this matter. When Noah awoke, being aware of what Ham did, he cursed Ham's son Canaan. 
This young man went on to populate the land of Canaan, which today is the land of Israel. These people that Israel mostly dispossessed from their lands have an axe to grind with the Jewish people. Now add in Ishmael, the half-brother of Isaac, and Esau, the twin brother of Jacob, who were both excluded from God's covenant promise with Israel, and you will recognize that they also have an axe to grind. A large percentage of these three groups have, through intermarriage and amalgamation under the Muslim banner, dwell in the Middle East. They are participating in the region's deadly turmoil. They will themselves be complicit in bringing about the great and horrendous battle of Armageddon. Imagine, the first occurrence of alcoholic beverages will go on to participate in the battle of Armageddon. The devastating effects of alcohol are, in fact, like an Armageddon on the world's population. Statistics from the National Institution on Alcohol Abuse and Alcoholism will give you a feel for the horrors of alcohol. In 2019 in the United States, 25.8% of individuals 18 and older reported that they engaged in binge drinking in the past month. Binge drinking is defined as having four or more drinks for a female and five or more drinks for a male in around two hours. We expect the global percentage to be much higher. In the United States, 14.5 million people, 12 years of age and older, have AUD, alcohol use disorder. AUD is defined as a chronic brain disorder marked by compulsive drinking, loss of control over alcohol use, and negative emotions when not drinking. We estimate the number globally to be in excess of 319 million. In the U.S., an estimated 95,000 people die from alcohol-related causes each year. That's about 3 million globally. In the U.S., this is the third leading cause of preventable death. Leading causes of alcohol-related deaths are alcohol-associated liver disease, heart disease, stroke, unspecified liver cirrhosis, upper aerodigestive throat cancers, liver cancer, a supraventricular uh, or cardiac dysrhythmia, AUD, breast cancer, and hypertension. Over one out of four driving deaths in the U.S. are a result of alcohol-impaired driving. In 2010, alcohol misuse cost the United States $249 billion. Globally, the cost is $5 trillion, $478 billion. 75% of that cost is attributed to binge drinking. You pay for this regardless of whether you drink or not. Figure the cost to be about double in today's money. According to the World Health Organization, WHO, in 2014, alcohol was the leading factor for premature death and disability for people ages 15 to 49. In 2016, 134 million disability-adjusted life years were attributed to the alcohol consumption worldwide. That's 134 million years of life lost to disability caused by alcohol consumption. In 2018, the World Health Organization reported that alcohol contributed to over 200 diseases and injury-related health conditions. Approximately 10.5%, that is 7.5 million, of U.S. children ages 17 and younger live with a parent with alcohol use disorder. 
To quote from the NAS report on alcohol facts and statistics, you'll read this. Research has shown that people who misuse alcohol have a greater risk of liver disease, heart disease, depression, stroke, and stomach bleeding, as well as cancers of the oral cavity, esophagus, larynx, pharynx, liver, colon, and rectum. These individuals may also have problems managing conditions such as diabetes, high blood pressure, pain, and sleep disorders. They may increase their likelihood of unsafe sexual behavior. Alcohol consumption is associated with increased risk of drowning and injuries from violence, falls, and motor vehicle crashes. Alcohol consumption is also associated with an increased risk of female breast cancer or pharyngeal cancer, esophageal cancer, especially in, in individuals who inherit a deficiency in an enzyme involved in alcohol metabolism and harmful medication interactions. Alcohol consumption has been linked to risk for fetal alcohol spectrum disorders and the offspring of women who consume alcohol during pregnancy, end of quotes. Fetal alcohol syndrome is the number one cause of birth defects and renders children born with IQs 13 to 16 points lower than other children. It can be caused by as little as a mother consuming one drink during pregnancy. Moderation, right? Why is there even an argument in Christendom, or in carnaldom for that matter, regarding drinking alcoholic beverages? Drinking kills neurons, causes cancer, destroys livers, damages the ability to discern between right and wrong, and so on. With this phenomenal weight of witnesses testifying against the consumption of alcohol, why does so much biblical confusion appear to exist? The Word of God speaks about wine and strong drink. Wine is the main focus of this article. I wrote earlier that Noah was the first man in recorded history to become drunken, and that scientists speculate that this righteous man was blindsided, and here's the reason why. The natural fermentation process that causes the juice of the grape, for instance, to ferment, is a result of atmospheric changes that took place during the days of Noah. Prior to the great Noahic flood, a water canopy encompassed the earth. This water canopy was, uh, canopy, excuse me, was destroyed by God and cast down to the earth. It has since been replaced with an ozone layer. According to scientists, the banished water canopy would have filtered out the ultraviolet killer rays from the sun. For one thing, UV rays cause bacteria a natural yeast to form on the grapes in the field as well as on all other fruits, which in turn causes the juice to ferment. Prior to Noah, these UV rays were blocked by God's water canopy. Consequently, Noah would have been unaware of the dangers of fermentation. The process of fermentation takes place when the yeast, which is a product of UV rays, acts on the sugar in the fruit, converting it first into alcohol and carbon dioxide gas, and then unless it's protected from the air into vinegar. In 1790, the Cistercian monks discovered that by adding sugar, they could markedly increase the alcohol content of the wine. In addition, most of today's winemakers add a yeast starter to the naturally occurring yeast in the juice to spike alcohol content even higher. In Proverbs 23:31, it reads, Look not thou upon the wine when it is red, when it giveth its color in the cup, when it moveth itself aright. In other words, don't drink the wine after it has fermented. 
Also, the wine God commanded us not to drink had a very low alcoholic content because of the low levels of sugar in the grapes of the Middle East in comparison to today's alcoholic beverages. According to the history book, Archaeology and Bible History, actual wine and beer in ancient Palestine contained not more than 5 to 8% alcohol due to the limitation of natural sugar in the grape's juice and the malt which was used. Some of the confusion concerning the drinking of alcoholic beverages is that many erroneously think that the word wine in the Bible strictly refers to the fermented juice of the grape. A simple search of the Scriptures, however, reveals that unfermented grape juice is called wine as well as the fermented juice. This is shown in the following Scripture passages. Isaiah 65, 8, Thus saith the Lord, As the new wine is found in the cluster... And one saith, Destroy it not, for a blessing is in it. So will I do for my servants' sakes, that I may not destroy them all. Joel chapter 2, verse 24. And the floors shall be full of wheat, and the vats shall overflow with wine and oil. Please note that it is called wine as it comes forth from the wine press. In the Old Testament, there are two Hebrew words which are both translated into English as the word wine. The first word, tirosh occurs 38 times, and it means must, fresh, or new wine. The word must is defined as the expressed, unfermented juice of the grape. Again, from the textbook, Archaeology and Bible History. The following excerpt deals with the two Hebrew words translated as wine. It begins by explaining the word tirosh. Examination of the use of this word shows that it does not refer to a fermented drink. Eleven times it speaks of wine as a first fruit fresh from the harvest, usually in the phrase corn, wine, and oil, and obviously refers to grape juice. Seventeen times it is used with grain and oil as natural products of the field, again clearly implying grape juice. In three places, tirosh is said to be filling the presses, obviously referring to freshly pressed juice. Joel 2.24, Hosea chapter 9, verse 2, Proverbs 3, verse 10. Isaiah 65, 8 pictures Tirosh as being still in the cluster of grapes. And Micah 6, 15 is the clearest of all, mentioning Tirosh as the material from which fermented wine is formed. Only in one place is there any association between Tirosh and wickedness. Hosea chapter 4, verse 11, whoredom and wine and new wine take away the heart. Even here in this particular context, there is no mention of actual drunkenness and no suggestion that Tirosh in itself is intoxicating. It is clear then that Tirosh is regularly used in the sense of grape juice, a beverage with no appreciable content of alcohol. Concerning the second Hebrew word, yayin, it goes on to say, Yayin is the most common word for wine in the Old Testament, occurring 135 times and clearly means fermented wine. At least 30 times, Yayin is definitely associated with drunkenness, and its use is more or less condemned. It was prohibited to the Nazarites, number 6-3. Daniel refused the king's Yayin, Daniel verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 8. About half of the passages men- mentioning Yayin in the Old Testament are clearly denunciatory. In some places, it is mentioned merely as a natural product without praise or blame, just as polygamy is referred to at times without specified condemnation being given at that reference. An examination of passages 
supposed to support the use of yayin shows that they really do not give such support. The use of yayin in making the drink offering does not support partaking of wine, for this offering was not drunk, end quote. Please note, this drink offering was never consumed, but was poured out before the Lord, just as all things detrimental to human health and animal sacrifices were commanded by God uh, to not be consumed, i.e., the fat, the blood, the dung, the call above the liver. As in the Old Testament, the word wine in the New Testament can mean unfermented or fermented wine. When Ephesians 5.18 says, and be not drunk with wine, it refers to fermented wine. Wine then can be fermented or unfermented. Now concerning the marriage supper in Cana, where Jesus turned water into wine, there is one very obvious reason that certifies that Jesus, in fact, did not create fermented wine. And that reason is that the Lord Jesus Christ was sinless. Had he created fermented wine and contributed to the drunkenness of others, he would have been guilty of disobeying the many commandments forbidding it. Do you suppose Jesus would have created wine that if consumed by a pregnant woman attending the marriage supper could have harmed her unmoored child with fetal alcohol syndrome? Do you suppose that our Lord Jesus would have given the people fermented wine, causing men to lust after their neighbor's wives, fistfight in the parking lot, and wreck their chariots on the way home? Would it be so hard to fathom that the miracle wine Jesus produced would be the finest wine that man has ever tasted, and that the creator of the universe could accomplish this feat without the contamination of alcohol? Wouldn't you suppose that Christ's miracle wine would be free of fermenting bacteria caused by harmful UV rays from the sun? The answers are, of course, and of course. In regard to the heavenly miracle wine, Jesus comments in Matthew twenty six twenty nine just before his crucifixion, But I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Note, when I drink it new, not only inferring freshly pressed wine, but wine before the contamination caused by man's sin, before the UV rays that cause fermentation. Proponents of alcoholic consumption felt vindicated when a 1999 University of Wisconsin Medical School study ascribed great health benefits to fermented wine, at least that's how much of the story the media reported. The research revealed that in wine are found tannins and flavonoids that diminish cholesterol and may, and may fight uh, blood clotting. What most media failed to report is that unfermented wine, grape juice, has the very same health benefits and without the deadly side effects. As with other juices, all wine that is not pasteurized will be in a process of fermentation. If, for instance, you purchase a gallon of unpasteurized apple cider without preservatives and leave it on the kitchen counter, the process of fermentation, the sugar of the apple juice being converted to alcohol and carbon dioxide gas, would begin. You can drink it as it progresses, and the very low levels of alcohol will have no serious effect until it reaches critical alcohol mass. So, then the mention in Proverbs, long at the wine comes into play. While the alcohol content is at a very low level, in order for it to have a negative effect, one would have to spend a long time drinking it. But when the fermentation process is complete, one water glass full can knock you on your backside, 
and the terrible predictions of Proverbs 23 will come to pass. So much then for the moderate drinking of fermented alcoholic beverages. Those who promote the concept of moderation, citing verses such as 1 Timothy 3.8, which reads, Likewise must the deacons be grave, not double-tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy of filthy lucre. They need to read a few verses above that. In verse 2, which reads, A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given the hospitality, apt to teach. This word sober is discussed in the following paragraph in archaeology and Bible history. The New Testament attitude toward intoxicating drink is shown by the injunction for Christians to be nephalios, translated sober. This word is used only three times in the New Testament, 1 Timothy 3, verse 2 and 11, and Titus chapter 2, verse 2. But it is used regularly in the classical authors, meaning free from all wine. This word shows strongly that the New Testament ideal is total abstinence, end of quote. The dictionary defines sober as not given or addicted to the use of intoxicating beverages, abstinent, free from the influence of intoxicating beverages. Finally, from archaeology and Bible history. In summary, we are left with the biblical condemnation of alcoholic drink and a definite denunciation of drunkenness as sin. Nowhere is moderate drinking given approval. The existence of light fermented wine does not mean that God sanctioned its use for beverage purposes. Furthermore, a different situation exists today with the use of modern strong alcoholic beverages. Solomon's observation of long ago is just as applicable today, if not more so. Look not thou upon the wine when it is red. At last it biteth like a serpent, stinketh like an adder. End of quote. The Christian's model should simply be, we drink no wine that's past the line. And of course, that includes all fermented or distilled alcoholic beverages. End of quote. The research is in. The June 11, 2021 issue of the week presented the following on their health and science page under the title, No Safe Level of Drinking. You might think there's no harm in relaxing with a single glass of wine or a beer in the evening, but when it comes to brain health, a new study suggests that the only safe level of alcohol consumption is zero. Researchers from the University of Oxford looked at the brain's scans, excuse me, of 25,000 people who had also self-reported their alcohol intake. The scientists found that drinking had a clear effect on gray matter, important regions of the brain where information gets processed. The more people drink, the less the volume of their gray matter, lead author Anya Topolwala tells CNN.com. Brain volume reduces with age and more severely with dementia. Smaller brain volume also predicts worse performance on memory testing. Alcohol consumption accounted for up to a 0.8% change in gray matter volume. Now, that might seem like a low figure, but it is a greater contribution than other modifiable risk factors, lifestyle decisions that people can change, unlike the process of aging. The contribution of smoking or high BMI, for example, was four times lower. And contrary to previous studies that indicated there is a benefit to drinking wine in moderation compared with 
beer or spirits. That study found that the type of drink made no difference to the damage done to the brain. End of quote. No safe level. In the early 1900s, evangelical churches across America stood united in their opposition to all alcoholic beverages and applied major pressure on the U.S. Congress for the purpose of passing the 18th Amendment to the Constitution of the United States on July 16, 1919. Prior to Prohibition, the term Christian wedding meant that it was free of all alcohol and, of course, Christ-centered. This amendment outlawed the manufacturing, sales, and transportation of alcoholic beverages. This law was repealed in 1933. Bootlegging caused a law enforcement nightmare. But just in case you think prohibition was an utter failure, consider the following data from an op-ed page around 25 years ago. Note that some of these, this data reflects uh, old numbers, but you get the idea. During the Prohibition era in 1919 to 1933, crime decreased 54%. The death rate due to liquor decreased 43%. 97 of the 98 Keeley alcoholic clinics closed for lack of patients. Insanity decreased 66%. All 60 Neal Cure clinics closed for lack of patients afflicted with alcoholism. During the post-prohibition area, drunkenness shortly increased 350%. Crime spiraled till it is now rampant. Some 50% of all traffic accidents are alcohol-related, and there are 10 million alcoholics today. Of this number, 3.5 million are 14 to 17 years of age. End of quotes. The March 4, 2022 headline of Science Daily reads, more alcohol, less brain. Association begins with an average of just one drink a day. The article goes on to state, Even light to moderate drinking is associated with harm to the brain, according to a new study. Researchers analyzed data from more than 36,000 adults that found a link between drinking and reduced brain volume that begins at an average consumption level of less than one alcohol unit a day, the equivalent of about a half a beer, and rises with each additional drink. The link grew stronger the greater the level of alcohol consumption, the researchers showed. As an example, in 50-year-olds, as average drinking among individuals increases from one alcohol unit, about a half a beer, a day to two units, a pint of beer or a glass of wine, there are associated changes in the brain equivalent to aging two years. Going from two to three alcohol units at the same age was like aging three and a half years, the team reported their findings in the Journal of Natural Communications. The fact that we have such a large sample size allows us to find subtle patterns, even between drinking the equivalent of half a beer or one beer a day, says Gideon Nov a corresponding author on the study, and faculty member at Penn's Wharton School. He collaborated with former postdoc and co-corresponding author Remy Deviant, now at the University of Wisconsin-Madison, and Perlman School of Medicine colleagues Regan Weatherell, also a corresponding author on the study, and Henry Kranzler, as well as other researchers. To give a sense of the impact, the researchers compared the reductions in brain size 
linked with drinking to those that occur with aging. Based on their modeling, each additional alcohol unit consumed per day was reflected in a greater aging effect in the brain. While going from zero to a daily average of one alcohol unit was associated with the equivalent of a half a year of aging, the difference between zero and four drinks was more than 10 years of aging, end quote. More alcohol, less brain. Sound interesting? It cannot be done. God's cardinal law of sowing and reaping cannot be circumvented, yet men by the billions have tried. The world's citizens will continue to try and will continue to fail miserably, and these failures bear deadly, even eternal consequences. Galatians 6, 7, Be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Inherent within God's every commandment and precept is a blessing or a curse, because the word of God is the perfect and inerrant truth, Obeying it yields the fruit of doing the right thing, the blessing. Because the word of God is the perfect and inerrant truth, disobeying it yields the deadly fruit of doing the wrong thing, the curse. Inherent within each commandment and precept is a blessing or a curse, and this law cannot be circumvented. Surrender to the perfect living word, and Jesus Christ said he would give us life and give it more abundantly, John 10.10. This is not an empty promise. Choose Christ and live. It is the only choice that makes sense. If you have yet to make your decision for Jesus Christ, click on the further with Jesus now. Expect to participate in the greatest miracle man can know. God said, Proverbs 23.29-35, Who hath woe? Who hath sorrow? Who hath contentions? Who hath babbling? Who hath wounds without cause? Who hath redness of eyes? They that tarry long at the wine, they that go to seek mixed wine. Look not thou upon the wine when it is red, when it giveth its color in the cup, when it moveth itself aright. At the last it biteth like a serpent, and stingeth like an adder. Thine eyes shall behold strange women, and thine heart shall utter perverse things. Yea, thou shalt be as he that lieth down in the midst of the sea, or as he that lieth upon the top of a mast. They have stricken me, shalt thou say, and I was not sick. They have beat me, and I felt it not. When shall I awake? I will seek it yet again. God said, Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 15, Woe unto him that giveth his neighbor drink, that puttest thy bottle to him, and makest him drunken also that thou mayest look on their nakedness. God said, Proverbs chapter 20, verse 1, Wine is a mocker, strong drink is raging, and whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. Man said, a little moderation, a little bit of wine, a little bit of beer, a little whiskey, marijuana, cocaine, whatever you want, just a little. Hey, Jesus made wine, didn't he? Now you have the record.